0: You know, that's what we're celebrating today. Uh, We celebrate it every day. Come on, it's not just one Sunday that we celebrate that Jesus is alive. But today, of all days, this is the day, this is a part of the year, and it centers around the Passover in the Hebrew calendar, uh, that we remember that Jesus died for our sins. He died for us. He was put to death on a cross. This is not uh, a myth. This is a historical fact. Jesus died, was put to death, was sentenced to death, died the death of a criminal was buried, but on the third day, he got up from the grave. And that's what we're celebrating today, that Jesus is alive. And we want to talk about that, and we want to talk about the hope that comes from knowing that we serve a risen Savior, a living God. When you believe in the resurrection, everything changes. You know, that's not a coincidence that in Romans chapter 10, it tells us that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you'd believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead you would be saved. Now, why is it so important that you confess with your mouth, He is Lord? Because in, in, with, in confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you're not just saying, I believe He's God. No, when you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying you're Lord over me. You're, you're, you're now the King of my life. I'm giving my life to you. I'm not in control. You are. And when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's a step further than believing he died for you. That's believing that not only did he die for your sins, not only did he bridge the gap between you and God that you couldn't bridge yourself. It was a gap we created. We were the ones that let sin into the world. Humanity sinned against God, created separation. Every human being that's ever lived except for Jesus has sinned and come short of the glory of God. But here's the thing. When we made that separation, we couldn't bridge the gap, but Jesus did. He died on the cross for us, but here's the important thing. He didn't stay dead. If he had stayed dead, there would be no hope because all we would have had was a Savior who died and took our punishment but did not defeat death, didn't conquer death. Death would still reign over us. But we believe in a Savior that got up on the third day just like he promised he would. Isn't that the amazing thing? Jesus knew this was going to happen. He told his disciples, I will, I'm going to die. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. He even told them how it was going to happen. He talked about being lifted up as he was going to be lifted up on the cross. He said, when I do that, I will draw all men to myself. There was this, um, this, this sort of denial that they lived in when he said, when I go to Jerusalem, I'm, I'm going to have to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. They're going to put me to death, but on the third day, I'll rise. And even then his disciples are like, I don't, I don't know if he means that. You know, maybe he's speaking symbolically. I I don't really think that's what's going to happen, but he did. It happened just as he said, he laid down his life for the people. He laid down his life for his enemies and then he rose from the dead on the third day. He appeared to over 500 people during that time. This wasn't something a couple people said. This was something that was confirmed over and over and over again. I want to read you something in 1st Peter chapter 1. 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, great mercy, like massive amounts of mercy, has caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an undef- imper I'm sorry to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, "We've been born again to a living hope." So you were born again, and that. That process of being born again, think about it. You died, right? You died with Jesus. When you gave your life to him, that old self, that old self that was full of sin, that old self that had rebelled against God, that old self died with Jesus. God counted it as if you died on that day, that you were on the cross. God counted it that way. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. We got so much better than we deserved. He counted it as you died. And then we were raised again. The Bible says if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. It says that we have been raised with him so that we too might walk in newness of life. Like your life now, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've become a follower of Jesus, you've really given your life to him, you've been born again, you're a new person. And you get to walk in the newness of life, that newness of resurrection. Here it says that uh, we've been born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So this is where our living hope comes from. It comes from the resurrection. It comes from that being born again. And I want to talk to you about that hope that is tied to resurrection. That hope that springs out of resurrection. I want to talk to you about the fact that Jesus has conquered death once and for all. That death no longer reigns over us. The Bible tells us that when sin entered the world, death came in. When sin came in, so did death. Death was not part of the world God created. God didn't create humanity to to decay. He didn't create us to have a time limit. And that death is not just physical death. In fact, that is the uh, lowest form of it. The Bible tells us that God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree that I've told you not to eat of, if you disobey, if you rebel, you'll surely die. And when they ate that fruit, when they ate of that tree, they their bodies kept working. Their lungs still gave them breath. Their hearts still pumped. They didn't fall to the ground dead because that's not the death God was talking about first and foremost. Now that death came, uh, but it was a result of something else. It was a result of the spiritual death they experienced. And that spiritual death is so much bigger than physical death. You You understand that that this world will not last forever that you won't last forever if, if there's nothing beyond this then there's no point to anything I'm saying but if there is if there's something after this life and the bible tells us that's exactly what happens it's 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 it's, it's not in doubt after this is this is a short period but there is eternity we are created for eternity and so When you know that, you know that the greatest death is not your body stopping, but that separation from God. That's what true death is. He's life. In Him is life. And so when we're separated from life, we've we've died. I mean, think about this. It's like a tree that's planted in the forest. You, you see those uh, in our northern forests here in Saskatchewan and Alberta. We have these beautiful evergreen trees that, that grow to be quite big and, and even in the winter they keep their needles and they keep their green. But if you were to chop one down and you'd put it in your living room for Christmas, it might look like a living tree for some time but it is dead and it is dying. And So that's the way our lives are, they're, they're, they're short, you know, they're, 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 if they're separated from the very source of life, if they're separated from that soil, if they're separated from those roots, if they're separated from life itself, then we might have the appearance of life, but we're dying. And, and that hope that we're talking about, the, the hope that so many of us cling to, you know, it's, it's, it's barely more than a wish. Think about the times you talk about hope. You know, I, I hope it turns out this way. I, I hope I get to see that person again. I, I hope this turns out for the good. Basically, it's a synonym for wish. I, I, I wish, I desire for that to be the, the case. But it's not, it's, not a, it's not an earnest expectation like the hope we see in the Bible. That living hope is like a tree that's planted in that, in that forest that, that its roots go down. It's a tree that is not decaying, it's growing. That's the hope that we have. The hope that the world has is like the tree you cut down and you put in your living room. It, it, it might seem green for a while, it might seem lifelike for a while, but the more that time progresses, the more it decays, the more it dies, the needles fall off and it's exposed for what it is. Uh, a dead hope, a temporary hope, a flimsy hope, a hope that was based on something that could never last. But a living hope, it not only stays strong, it not only stays green, But it even expands and grows. And that living hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you have believed that he is alive. Remember, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him. Confess with your mouth that he's Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It doesn't just say if you believe in your heart that he died for your sins. That's important. But you got to believe that he was raised from the dead. I want to show you something in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul said in verse 1, I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you're saved, if you hold fast or hold tight the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So what is he saying? This is the gospel I preached to you. You had to receive it. It had to be preached, but then it had to be received. And then you stood in it. And then you're, you're standing in it because it's the gospel that saved you. And so this is also the word that you're holding tight to. I I want you to know that the truth of God's resurrection, the truth of Jesus' resurrection, you can't just have it preached to you and say, well, that's probably true. I mean, you've got to receive it. You have to receive it for yourself. If if all it is is your church's doctrine, if all it is is, well, I go to a church that believes that, it's, it's got no saving power in your life. You've got to receive it. You've got to believe it. You've got to stand in it. You've got to let it save you. And you've got to hold tight to it. And then he says this, For I delivered to you as a first importance. This is the most important thing. Which I also, that, the same thing that I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he's not just saying the scripture tells us he died for our sins. He's telling us Christ died just like the scripture said he would. Like this was foretold. This has been told by the scriptures and it was foretold by the scriptures. God, Jesus was was playing out the story, was living out the story that God had already said was going to happen. He had already said this beforehand, that he was died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's, that's Peter's uh, name in Hebrew, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to the more than 500 brothers at the time, most of whom remain until now, but some who've fallen asleep. In other words, they've They're physically dead. But they call it, he calls it sleep because he believes in the resurrection. And sleep is temporary. Death is terminal. Sleep is temporary. These believers aren't dead. They've just fallen asleep. They're just temporarily in the ground. Then he says this. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me as well. Uh, For I am the least of all the apostles, and I'm not even fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. It wasn't useless. It wasn't worthless. It wasn't wasted. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached, that He's been raised from the dead, How do some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? How do some among you say that, that once you're dead, that's it. The lights are off. All that's there to live for is this life. That's it. Once you're dead, it's gone. Why are some of you saying there's no resurrection from the dead? He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, our preaching is vain. It's worthless. It's pointless. Your faith is in vain. Moreover, we're found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He didn't raise if, in fact, the dead aren't raised. He's saying we've preached the wrong thing. If the dead aren't raised, if there's no resurrection, then Christ hasn't been raised. What in the world are we preaching? He says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those of us who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we've hoped in Christ in this life only... We are of all men most to be pitied. What is he saying? He says, we have no hope. Our faith is worthless if we don't believe in the resurrection. Number one, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Christ from the dead, that he didn't just stay dead, he rose. In other words, if Jesus had just died on the cross, we would have no hope. Without the resurrection, our faith is worthless. The cross and the resurrection, they go together. That's the victory. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave by taking on the death that you and I deserved, by undergoing that death, by tasting that death, but then overcoming it as he rose in victory. Because of that, we have hope. Because of that, our faith is not worthless. And look what he says, you're not in your sins still. Because of the resurrection, I'm not still in my sin. It is the resurrection that changed everything. But he says, if if there's no resurrection, then we've hoped for nothing. What's he saying? A living hope hinges on the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope. And resurrection is the point. That was a tough one for a lot of people. It it was a stumbling block for many. You know, when Paul preached to the, the people in Athens, the philosophers that wanted to hear what he had to believe, they were with him until he started to talk about the resurrection. And then he lost them. They, they said, this is, he's been preaching strange deities and this resurrection, we don't know if we can buy into that. You know, when, when he was in front of the Sanhedrin and, and, and they were, you know, uh, putting him on trial, all of a sudden he says, it's for the resurrection that I'm on trial. And he started a riot between the Sadducees and the Pharisees because resurrection is an explosive topic. This is the point. And when you believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and when you believe that God has raised you spiritually from the dead, and when you believe that God will one day raise even your body from the dead, everything changes. Believing in a God who raises the dead is the belief that we're talking about today. It's not enough to say Jesus was a good man. It's not enough to say he was a great prophet. It's not enough to say he was a good teacher with good things. If there's no resurrection, there's no point. Thomas Jefferson decided that he wanted to rewrite the Gospels because he believed that the teachings of Jesus were so valuable, the morals of Jesus were so worth propagating that he believed uh, he was a bridge too far to believe that there were miracles and, and supernatural things. He, he considered himself an enlightened man, and so he couldn't believe it. So he rewrote the Gospels, took all the miracles out, took the resurrection out, and just left it to the teachings of Jesus Christ. But you see, the Bible says here, if not for the resurrection, there's no hope. In fact, if not for the resurrection, you couldn't possibly do what Jesus taught you to do. The teachings and the morals of Jesus are impossible. He says that himself. He says, without me, if you don't abide in me, you can't do any of this. He says that it's necessary that I go to the Father so I can send my spirit to you. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, you are fooling yourself if you think that you could do any of that without him. No, you need to be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no way in without being born again. And you can't be born again without the resurrection. And Peter had said in that first uh, chapter that we read that because of the resurrection, we have a living hope. I want to talk to you about a couple of guys in the Bible that, that had to decide. Their hope came to an end. Remember, the hope that the world has is like that tree in your living room. It's temporary. It's going to fade. It's going to decay. It's based on certain outside circumstances. But the living hope that Jesus offers us is eternal, even more than the tree in the forest. It will never decay. Peter goes on to say in that same letter that that faith that you have is undefiled. It's incorruptible. It's imperishable. And even when you're going through hardships and trials, it says you'll emerge out of there with your faith proving to be genuine. That it was not. uh, It was. It didn't decay. It didn't get weaker. It grew. It stayed strong because you've been born again of a living hope. I I want you to see this in um, uh, uh, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4 speaks of Abraham and the belief he had to have in the promise of God. Remember, Abraham uh, was not able to have kids with his wife, Sarah. We don't know which one of them was unable to have kids, was infertile. It could have been him, could have been his wife. Uh, we don't know because by the time that God promises him a son, they're both past the age of being able to have kids. They're both in their, I mean, they're, they're reaching 100 here. So uh, even if they were fertile at one point in their life, they're not now. So a great miracle had to take place and Abraham had to believe it. This is something that's impossible, but he had to believe God. It says this, for this reason, uh, you know what, I, let's skip back. This is, this is Romans chapter four, and we're gonna go um, to verse 16. For this reason, it is by faith in order that it might be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those of us who are under the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. That's what God said to him before he ever had a child. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. So Abraham had to know that God gives life to the dead. He had to believe in a God that raises the dead. Hebrews chapter 11 says, even when he had his son, Isaac, when he offered his son as a sacrifice, God said, I want you to bring your son to this altar and offer him as a sacrifice. God never intended for Isaac to die, but he wanted to see, would Abraham trust him? And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that that Abraham had to believe that God could raise the dead. He just said, I don't know how God's gonna do it, but I know God can raise the dead. Starting from there, changes everything. I serve a God of resurrection. And because he believed in a God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, friends, that's not where where we hope. Without Jesus, your hope doesn't believe in in death being overcome and things that don't exist, existing. That that doesn't happen without the power of God. Now listen, it says, in hope against hope, he believed. So that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which has been spoken, so will your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in the faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. In hope against hope, he believed. What does that mean, hope against hope? You think about it, there are two kinds of hope. There's a hope based on natural expectations. It is the hope that has limits. It's the hope that has boundaries and that's the hope that most of the world operates in. In fact, the Bible says since the sin of Adam, death has reigned in the world. Death death came in when sin came in and death has reigned over this world. We we, we, we know that death is like the most powerful force. Death is final. Death is terminal. It's it. That's it. There's nothing beyond it. But when you believe in a God who raises the dead, and you believe in this, that Jesus conquered death, the Bible says he took hold of the descendants of Abraham. That's you and I who have believed in faith. It t- says he took hold of us and that he set free those who have been, who through the fear of death have been slaves all their lives. Even if you've never really feared your own menta- mortality, you've never feared uh, death by accident or illness or even old age. If, even if you say, I'm not scared of that, on some level, We have a reverence for death. We we have a a finality. We We have these limits to what we can hope for. Once death enters, that's the end of the story. But as believers, everything's changed. Abraham had to consider that his own body was as good as dead. His wife's womb had never been able. There was death working in them. But he believed that the life of God was bigger than that death. See, that's what you believe when you believe in the resurrection. Now we believe in a living God. If we believed in a historical savior, a a great prophet, if we believed in a philosophy, a good religion that taught us to do good things, it would still be powerless. It would still be subject to death and our own limits. We could only do what we could do and beyond that we're hooped. Here we're talking about a hope that is based in a God who can overcome death. If God can raise the dead, What's impossible to him? In Hebrews 11, it implies that Abraham's saying, if God can raise the dead, he can do anything. You know, I want to read you what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter one. He had gotten to the point where things had gotten so bad. I mean, this is a man who'd been in countless terrible situations, been many near-death experiences. But at this point, he said it got so bad. In 2 Corinthians chapter one, he says in verse eight, for we don't want you to be unaware, brethren, Of our affliction which came to us in Asia we were burdened excessively beyond our strength pay attention to that because there's gonna be points in life where something hits you that you're not able to handle something hits you that is beyond your ability to fix it's beyond your ability to overcome and this is where we have to believe in the power of a resurrecting Savior not just a resurrected Savior but a resurrecting Savior. Not just a Savior who rose from the dead, but a Savior who delivers from death. Because out of that root of death comes all of these other fears. Comes these fears that, uh, that's as far as I can handle, that's as much as I can do. Paul said we were burdened beyond our own strength. Paul was a strong guy. The people who were with him had to be pretty strong too. It got so bad that it was beyond what they could handle. And he says, we despaired even of life. Despair means they lost hope. They, they didn't even have hope that they'd stay alive. He said, indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. I know that Paul had the sentence of death on him more than once. People said, we're going to kill you. People said, You're gonna, you deserve to die. But this is the first time that I can see that he had a sentence of death within himself. He had internalized it. I, I'm going to die. I don't think I'm getting out of this alive. He said, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will yet deliver us. He on whom we've set our hope and he will yet deliver us. And you also joining and helping through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Paul said God delivered him when he had given up all hope. Remember, hope against hope means you're having to choose a divine hope Above an earthly hope. Those hopes may stand against each other. Your earthly hope says there's no chance. There's no no hope in this. But when you believe in a resurrecting Savior, what's impossible? You know that you can hope against hope. God raises the dead. He can raise me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, when looking forward to the resurrection that's to come, he says if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, He will surely make alive our physical body. That same spirit that raised Jesus is in me. And he will make me alive, even in my physical death-bound mortal body. I am so thrilled to know that my God is not hindered by death. When Jesus appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, he said, I am he. John had fallen on the ground, terrified at what he saw. Jesus didn't look the same. And he said, it's me, Jesus. I am the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Oh, what a Savior. In fact, I want to read you that story of his resurrection real quick before we close. I say real quick, but I'm certainly not going to rush through it. In Luke chapter 24, verse 1, on the first day of the week, At early dawn they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, they appeared to be men, but we know now they were angels, suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, but He's risen. Remember how He spoke to you while while He was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Like, none of this is a surprise. He told you this exact thing would happen. And they remembered His words. And they returned from the tomb and they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, there were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. One of the other gospels gives us a little bit more detail, said that John went with him as well. In the book of John, it says that John and Peter went together and they came back and and affirmed what the women had said. It's true. He's not there. He's alive. And behold, two of them, two of the disciples that had gathered, these aren't the uh, part of the original twelve, these are other disciples that had gone with Jesus and had followed him. Two of these disciples were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. Remember, they've heard multiple reports that Jesus is alive, but they're still sad. And they said, one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and you're unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus and Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women amongst us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body. They came saying that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, and some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as these women had also said, but him they didn't see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe, in all the men, and uh, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I want you to see what happened. Remember, they mentioned the hope that they had. They said, but we were hoping he was going to be the one. We were hoping he was the Messiah. We were hoping he was going to redeem us. After hearing multiple reports about the resurrection, they still don't believe. See, because their hope was a hope that ended in death. Once Jesus suffered and died, that was it. Their vision of the Messiah involved a guy coming and overcoming and kicking all the bad guys out and and, and being victorious in every way. But their vision of the Messiah didn't include him suffering and dying. That was was an end to their hope. We were hoping. They didn't say, we're still hoping. They didn't say, we have hope. They said, we were hoping. Because the hope they had was still under the rule of death. In life, in our lives, so many times we don't realize that death still reigns. In the world that we live in, in the culture we live in, death reigns. Everything is subject to it. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he crushed death. He overcame death. And he says, Death no longer is master over you. Death ruled over you, but now through Christ, you reign in life. This is the promise. And so Jesus says, you foolish men, you slow of heart to believe. Why didn't you believe this? And see, here's the limit. Here's where it hit them. Here's where their hope failed them. As soon as we start talking about death, that's it. I'm out. But when you believe in resurrection, what has to happen before resurrection? Death. To a believer, death is not final. To a believer, death is not the the, the worst thing. Death is not the end. There is nothing that dies that cannot be resurrected. You start to believe in a God who does the impossible because we know a God who is alive, who, who, who overcame death once and for all. And what in the world can crush your hope when your hope is anchored to the very throne of God when you have that living hope that's based in Him and His resurrection? And I want to ask you today, what is your hope fixed on? Do you find yourself going on a roller coaster of ups and downs and discouragement based on expectations that didn't happen? like these people remember their hope i mean come on guys they they had many reasons to hope in a resurrected savior number 1 he promised it number 2 it, it, he promised it but it was it was already foretold in scripture number 3 the women told them he was alive number 4 some of the apostles told them he was alive but they still didn't believe uh, all of that is because they put their hope in their expectations in these limited things. Their hope had limits to it. But when you believe in a God who raises the dead, there is a hope that stands against that natural hope. There's a hope above all hopes. It's the hope of resurrection. And I want you to know today that that resurrection is just as real as it was when these men walked that road. They said, as Jesus opened the scriptures to them, they said later, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us, as he showed us himself in the scriptures. What did Jesus show them? He showed them not only that he was there, but he showed them that it, 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 he, he had to die. He had to suffer. That that didn't mean God's plans were, were, were done. You know, a lot of times we, we're like Paul in that place where we start to despair and we go, I, I, there's nothing I can do to fix this. I don't think I'm getting out of this. And you begin to hope in a God who raises the dead. You, you begin to say, when you believe in a God who raises the dead, he has delivered us, he is delivering us, and he will yet deliver.